0: Hey, welcome to the LifeHouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people, and we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode, and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode.
1: We're so excited to continue the third part of our series, My Testimony, which is a series about the vision of of Lifehouse Church, and we are telling you a story of somebody within Lifehouse Church that has has embodied and shown that part of our vision. So to start off today, I just want to share with you the vision of our church again, and the vision of Lifehouse is to help all people experience life change through Christ by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. I want to share that with you one more time. The vision, the purpose of LifeHouse is to help all people experience life change through Christ by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. The past two weeks, we've talked about following Jesus and doing life together. If you haven't, check those sermons out. Make sure you go on the podcast or YouTube and check those out. Uh, but today, I want to talk to you about the third part, and that's getting in the game getting in the game. Now, why would that be a part of our vision? Why? Because Christianity following Christ was never meant to be a spectator sport. It was never just intended to be that you watch somebody else or paid professionals to do the the Christian thing or to be the church. Our job as the church is to encourage you, implore you, push you to get in the game and not just go to church, but actually go and be the church. And that is what this whole portion of getting in the game is about. Here's what we see. Throughout scripture, throughout history, we see that God's plan from the very beginning was to use people, to empower people to share and show the world who he is and what he's like. You can see this even from the very beginning. Adam and Eve were created to reflect, image God. Basically saying, you are going to represent who I am and what I am like. We can also see that God chose a country, a nation, Israel, to represent him. And he chose Israel not because they were better than everyone else, but he chose them because he wanted to have a body. He wanted to have people to show and share the world and represent him. So we chose a people, the Israelites, which the Old Testament is pretty much a story of the history of the, the Israelites' joy and struggles, blessings and burdens, triumphs and tragedies of being God's representation. But we can see the point was he wanted a people to show himself through. And right after the Old Testament, we see Jesus, who was God in the form of a human being, God coming into flesh. He's called Emmanuel, God with us. We call this the, the incarnation, where God put on flesh and bones and put himself here. Jesus, he embodied who God was and who God is, and he shared and showed the world and said the best representation, that's what scripture tells us in Hebrews 1, 3. It says that Jesus is, was the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of God's being. Essentially saying when you saw Jesus, you were seeing God. Why? Because he wanted to show himself through people. And then you can actually see Jesus. He passed the baton to his, to, to his followers in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is called the Great Commission. This is what Jesus said. He said, Then Jesus came to them, and them being the disciples, and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Essentially what Jesus was doing, here, he was passing the baton to his followers saying, Tag, you're it. I've done my job here. I have come, I I have lived as a person. I died in your place and for your sin and I resurrected, rose and defeated Satan's sin and death and now I'm passing the baton to my followers and saying it is now your job to represent, to share and show the world who God is and what God is like. And that is the baton as followers of Jesus, as the church that we have been given. Now, I don't know if you have seen this, but this has been difficult and I feel like in so many ways we have fumbled the baton passing, right? And that is why it is such an important part of the vision of this church is because we just don't want people to go to church and just to say, oh, I go to church. It's great. That's it. No, we think what we see is that we have been given, given the baton to then not just go to church, but to then be the church and that's why it's such a huge part of our vision but we've struggled with it why because we face challenges and just like last week when i shared with you the challenges of doing life together there's also challenges that we face as christ followers to get in the game and i just want to share with you four but at the same time let me ask you this what do you think are the greatest challenges to the church the people of god being the church. Share it in the comment section right now. What do you think? But at the same time, I want to share with you four things, four challenges that I personally see that keeps the church from getting, from, from getting in the game and being the church. The first one's this. You might feel disqualified because of your past. And I know so many people, we, they believe, they say things like, because of what I've done, because of who I've been, because of the past I have, how could God ever use me? Why would God ever choose to use me? And essentially what you're doing or saying, by saying that is you are disqualifying yourself. And that is why one of the things that I believe we see in Scripture is the kind of people that God chose to use and to represent Him were some of the worst people right? Here's the thing, right? We always talk about Paul. Like, Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So that's a great man of God. Paul, Paul, Paul. Saint Paul is going to be standing at the pearly gates waiting for you to come. Like, do you understand who Paul was before he was a Christian? (laughs) Like, have you ever thought of the fact he murdered Christians? Murdered them. The first account we see in scripture, Acts chapter 7, of a Christian being killed, it says that Paul was standing there egging it on, and excited that it was happening. Think about that. And that's why I think whenever you see the writings of Paul, and you can feel and hear and see in his writings, how insanely amazed he was that God would choose him to be his representation. Right? Let me give you a great example here. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Verses 15 and 6 and 16. And the context of this letter that Paul is writing is, he's writing to a pastoral protege, a young guy, Timothy, that he is encouraging. He's brand new in ministry. He is a young pastor. And Paul is writing him a a letter of encouragement. And this is what Paul says. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. What's, what is Paul saying here? He's saying, if anyone needs an example of the worst human being ever, it is me because I killed Christians. And therefore, if God will use me, the chief of sinners... God will and God can use you no matter how bad or crazy or insane or disqualified you think you are. What Paul is saying, I am the trophy of grace. (laughs) That's what Paul is essentially saying. I am the biggest trophy of God's grace. And no one's going to get worse than me or do as bad as I have done. Therefore, don't disqualify yourself. And I believe one of the huge challenges we have is that some of you disqualify yourself because of your past, what you've done, or what you are even currently doing. And I want to let you know, don't disqualify what God has qualified. Now, now at the same time, whenever he started to follow Jesus, whenever he started to serve Jesus, he didn't continually kill, kill Christians. right? There was a change. There, were, there was a switch. There was a new direction. So here's the thing, right? God wants to use you, but also know as God uses you, he will change you. Okay, secondly, though, this is what I see. You think ministry is just for professionals, right? Some of you don't get in the game because you're like, that's what we paid John for. John, go and do your little pastor thing. Go do your, 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 little, your little preaching pastor thing. And some of you think ministry, the getting in the game is only for those who are the paid professionals but let me tell you this this is what paul said ephesians chapter 4 whenever he was talking to 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 the church church there and explaining to them the purpose of church leadership and the purpose of pastors this is what he says he um in ephesians 4 verses 11 through 13 it says this here he says so christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers essentially church leadership he said to equip his people to equip the church for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying here is church is, is, is the people that they vocationally give their life for the church. They're called to be, to actually empower the people, to empower the church, to go and do the work of the ministry. So it's not just for paid professionals. We're called to be coaches to coach you, to equip you, to train you, to unify you. To do what? To go out and be the church. It's not just for paid professionals. Those that are paid, we're actually called to equip and empower you to be and do all that God's called you to be. The third thing, though, that I see, the third challenge that I see to us getting in the game is this here. You are so busy because of unhealthy rhythms and misordered priorities when i some of some of you you're so stressed out you're so burned out because your schedule and your priorities in life are all jacked up that whenever i start saying things like get in the game god has a calling god has purpose for you god wants to to use you you are so burnt out and so tired that this just sounds like a burden that i'm trying to throw on you and that's and that's why as christ followers We've got to ensure that we have life rhythms, that we have boundaries in place, so we can be, so we can actually have the time and the margin to actually be equipped to go and get in the game. I know some people, they dedicate their lives to the paycheck and just to ensure they've got enough retirement and they've got everything that this life has to offer and they sell out their calling to get in the game and to be who God has made them to to be. Why? Because they're so busy, they're so stressed and they're burned out. And I believe in this culture that we live in, that is one of the greatest challenges that people face when I talk about vision and the church being the church, you just feel it feels like a burden to you because you've got unhealthy rhythms. Fourthly though, you like to be you like to be entertained. I believe unfortunately in the church we have this culture of people that wants to come to church to be entertained, and they view church as an as an event to go to, instead of instead of a body of people to to belong to, and ultimately a mission and purpose to fulfill, and they just view church as a place. It's an event you go to on Sundays. You even say things like, "Was the worship good? Was the sermon good?" And you're actually. Uh, you know, viewing it as something you can critique. Uh, you know, just like that was a good movie, that was a bad movie. This was a good scene, that was a bad scene. And you go to church, critiquing something. You should have the attitude of saying, "I am being empowered every Sunday. I get the opportunity on Sundays to worship and praise God." One thing we've got to be careful of, if we're going to get in the game, we can't view church as this an event we go to entertainment to critique. We've got to see it as we just don't go to church, we are the church and we are called as the church to be empowered to go and get in the game. Those are the four challenges that I see. If you see different challenges, put them down within the comment section. But at the same time, we can critique all day. I can't give you challenges all day. But the thing, how do we get how do we get how do we get in the game? How do you get off the couch? How do you get off the sidelines? How do you get out of the stands and you right now those of you watching get in the game and be the church and not just go to church. I think first off Oh, well, here's the thing, right? I've got three things. Shocking, I know. Pastors we always have three things. But here's the thing, I think we need to understand three things if you're going to get in the in the game first off you are called secondly you are gifted and thirdly you have been entrusted i want to walk through these really really quick first off you have been called here's the thing when jesus said go into all the world make disciples he wasn't just saying that to the 12 he was saying that to us and what he was essentially saying was you have been called now that that word called in the christian subculture in in the church has been so over so overused and abused to mean things it was never meant to actually say. You got people, I'm called to get a dog. I'm called to date this person. I'm, I'm called to go to this city. I'm called, I'm called. I'm, we, we say we're called to a bunch of different things, right? But let me tell you this and what, and what I tell people is you are called to somebody before you're called to something. I think we get too misfocused on things. Am I called to this? Am I called to this job? This person? This spouse? This woman? This guy? This girl? Whatever, right? Whenever you got to realize your first calling is to somebody before it's to something. And because you're called to somebody, that somebody then says, I am going to take you and use you to share and show who I am and what I am like. You've got to know if you are a Christ follower, you are are called. You're called. You are called. You might say, yeah, John, but at the same time, look, you know, how can I be called when I have a, when I work at the shipyard? How can I be called when I work as an accountant? How can I be called when I'm a construction worker? How can I be called when I work at a restaurant? Here's, here's the thing. No matter what kind of job you have, you can actually put in the calling of sharing and showing who Jesus is and what Jesus is like in that, con- in that context. And that's part of getting in the game is you realize as a Christ follower, you have been called not to sit on the sidelines, but in whatever you do, you have the opportunity to share and show who God is and what God's like. I love what Paul said in First, in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He said this, in whatever you do, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul's like, whatever. Whatever you do. Whatever. You know, Greek, in the Greek language, that word means whatever. And why is this important? Why? Because I think so many times we get caught up in what we're doing instead of focusing on why we're doing it and who we're doing it for. I believe so many people, they get caught up and say, man, well, you know what? I just, this job, I just don't know really if it's the right job. And and you know what? It might not, it, it might not be. But here's the thing. If you are there, I believe you're not just, you, you just haven't been sentenced there. You have been sent there and the calling to share and show who God is and what God's like and to get, and to get in the game is still valid and true even in that job you don't like. That's why Paul said, whatever you do, Do it for the glory of God. I've said this, God's will is whatever. That God's will, his love for people, and and his call to share and show who he is and what he's like never leaves. It never changes. It's always there no matter what job you're in, no matter what context you're in. It's always there. And that's why I think it's so important for us to know, you've got to know whatever you do, Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you have the opportunity. Because here's the thing, right? I believe God is more concerned with why you do something and who you're doing it for, even than what you're doing. Now, some of you are going to totally take this out of of context, right? This is what I've seen. They'll be like, "Well, you know, I, you know, you know, okay." So I was a youth pastor for 13, for ten years. Good Lord, uh, ten, okay. Uh, and I remember speaking on this. On this concept one night, and this kid, he had a a conversation with me afterwards, and he was like, Man, I really like this idea of doing stuff for God's glory. So, you know, so, you know, so can I smoke weed for God's glory? (sighs) I'm just like, Lord, we got to have a talk. (laughs) You know, but it's like, here's the thing it's not going and sinning for God's glory, it's not being in a, you know, not God honoring relationship for God's glory. This is saying, Something, things that are not sin, that are not God's best. This is saying if you're in an uncomfortable situation or something that you don't feel right at, God's will and God's purpose and God's call of sharing and showing who he is and what he's like does not leave. you got to know you, if you are a follower of Christ, you are called to get in the game. But secondly, you just aren't called, you're gifted. Some of you have different likes, passions, desires, giftings, God has wired you a certain way, and that is a beautiful thing, and that's part of the beauty of the body of Christ. and something that Paul himself noticed and shared in 1 Corinthians 12. I know a couple chapters later from the last verse that we shared was talking about the body of Christ. This is what Paul said uh, in verse number uh, 12. It says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is With Christ in first in First Corinthians 12, 27, this is what Paul said. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And here's what I believe the church's job is: it is to it is to take your purpose, your giftings, and match them with the church's call. To share and show the the world who God is and what God's like. And God will take you, your unique Self, with, with your giftings, your passions, your desires, your, 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 your uniqueness. And he will take those things and match it with the church's call. This is what I say. He will take your passion and connect it with the church's purpose. Passion will meet purpose. And we can see you get in the game and the church's Mission, move forward, and that's sharing and showing who God is and what God's like and helping people experience life change through Christ. Now, you, now, what I've seen is that people will say, but John, you know, I just don't know what my gifting is. I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know, how can I take my passion and mix it and match it with the church's purpose? I, I believe instead of just telling you, I'm going to, to give you some questions to think about. If you have trouble finding what's your passion is ask these questions first off, what need do I see? What need do you see? Is there something that God has given you the ability to see a specific need within our community, within the church, within your context, within like that you see a need, and you know something can and should be done, I believe God shows you things not just so you so, so you can critique, not just so you can bash people, not just so you can bash the church or bash the community for being bad. God shows you things for the specific purpose of saying, I might use you to change the very thing that you see is wrong. I believe there are some of you, you see things wrong in this community. You see things wrong in this church. You see things going on. And you are saying, I want to see change i want to see lives change through this avenue and i believe god shows you that shows you shows you a specific need for the very reason he might be using you to be the one to see that need met so i think you got to say what need needs to be filled secondly though what makes you angry i think anger is a great what's the word anger is a great di, diag nah, anger is a great diagnoser of maybe what you're called to do What gives you a righteous anger? What gives you, whenever you see it, you know, like it gets you mad that no one else is doing that. Maybe it's kids sleeping on the floor. We have a great partnership with Sleep in Heavenly Peace where we get the opportunity to build bunk beds for kids that are sleeping on the floor right now in our city. And 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 we have a couple within our church that essentially said, not in our city, not in this place, are we going to have kids sleeping on the floor? This ain't cool. And they said, we want to be the representative, we want to be the sponsor, we want to be the one on behalf of Lifehouse working together with this organization so we can see kids within our city not sleeping on the floor. They said, no, this, this is not right. And really, I I think you can diagnose maybe what your passion is by simply diagnosing in and of yourself what makes what gives you a righteous anger. Thirdly, though, what brings you joy? Like what 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 literally makes you feel like you're not even working that to someone else might be a huge burden i i know personally for me that would be like kids ministry like we have some rock stars in our kids ministry that that love and serve our kids that you know that reach out to them love them when we were having our kids environments they were the ones working together to ensure those environments were great so kids could learn about jesus and connect with each other Right? like that would be a huge burden for me, and it's not because I don't like kids, but it's just something that it w- it would like I would need it. W- it would feel like work, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we have people within our church. It's their passion. It's their calling. It's what they love. It's seeing kids grow. It's the seeing kids mature. It's the seeing kids grow in love for God, and so for them, it's not even a burden. So I'm just saying, like, what to you doesn't even feel like work, but it's making an impact. And it is sharing and showing who God is and what God's like. Maybe for you, that's, that, that's working with production. Maybe for you, that's doing chores for older people. Maybe for you, that's putting together food boxes. Maybe for you, it's saying what makes it feel like you're not even working. That could maybe be the pathway just to seeing what your passion is. But also too, what has been the source of your greatest pain? Some of you have walked through some of the most painful situations life has to offer. You've walked through divorce. You've walked through the death of children. You've walked through tragedy. You've you've been there at bedsides. You've been the one that's had people at your bedside. Like you've endured insane pain. And I believe this, God, the pain, God will take it and use it. He will take it and use it if you give it to him. But here's the thing, as you take whatever your greatest pain has been, you give it to god and say help me help someone else that is going through the same pain i am it gives your pain purpose it gives your pain purpose and some of you you are mired deep in your pain because it does not have purpose you are in the muck in the mire and you are saying, God, why did this happen? Why me? Why, 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 why? And, and really what I have seen is those that take their pain, help someone else as they're walking through it. And they say, how can we walk through this together? Or someone says, I've walked through this. Let me help you through it. It's actually a part of their healing process is helping somebody else through the pain that they walked through and they endured. That's why me, I, I got a heart and not shocking for stuttering people. Because I I know how hard it is to be like, hey, one thing I want to say, you can't say it, and how that can affect mental health, how that can affect your emotional state, how that can affect your job, how that can affect your family, how that can affect trying to trying 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 to make friends, and that's why I'm like I'm, I want to get with those kids that have those that issue, adults that are that are walking through it, because it's been a source of greatest pain for me personally. So I want to say, how can I help others in that same way, shape? And form maybe your passion is right on the other side of your greatest pain that god wants to use you to help someone else walk through it but also too, some of you what has been the source of your greatest victory i mean seriously some of you you've you've, you've got tremendous victory you have overcome addictions you have overcome divorce. like you have overcome some of the most you know crazy things that God might say, I've given you victory, because it's not just about your, it's it's a it's it's not just about your victory, it's about you then helping someone else get the victory that you have received. I believe God gives you victory in certain areas, not just for your benefit or because you're better than someone else, because then he wants to take you and and you help someone else through the same thing that God gave you victory, and what has been your source of your greatest victory? It's those questions that I believe honestly as we walk through and search through that God will use you to help someone else. 1 Peter 4.10 says this here. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. God gifts you not because you're better than someone else. God gifts you something not because you're greater than someone else. He gives it to you for the benefit of serving someone else. Essentially saying he gives it to you so you can get in the game, y'all. You have been called. You have been gifted. Lastly, you have been entrusted. If we're going to get in the game we've got to switch the mindset we have of knowing we have been entrusted by god to be his hands his feet that we are called to be stewards i love what this scripture says that i just read to you in first peter four in first peter 4 10. it says each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others but then right after that the second part of this scripture says this as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Essentially saying, you've been given a gift. You've been entrusted. Use it to serve someone else and do it because you are a steward of showing who God is and what God's like in his various forms. A steward is somebody that does the, does what? Manages. They manage what has been entrusted to them for the benefit of the one that entrusted it to them. Let me say that one more time. A steward is someone that manages what has been entrusted to them for the benefit of the one that entrusted it to them. In our context, God has entrusted you with a gift. God has entrusted you with a certain passion. He has entrusted you as a follower of Christ. And what he's saying is I've given you this gift, this passion, this talent, this resource for the purpose of you taking that gift and using it to say, How can it serve someone else? And how can it share and show who God is and what God is like? You have been entrusted. But I believe we've gotta switch it to know, if we're gonna get in the game, you've got to know that you have been. You are now a steward. Everything you have, everything you have, your home, your car, your bank account, your time, Your talent. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we no longer say, it's mine. We say, it's His. Because the truth is, everything you have has been given to you by God. Everything. You might say, yeah, John. No, everything. In the comment section, just say everything. (laughs) So, so the thing is, right? I know you're checking with me. You've been entrusted. It's all His. And what he is saying, I give you time, talent, money, all of these things for the purpose of serving someone else, being a steward, to use it to share and show who, the, who, the, who God is and what God's like. I want to share with you a story of someone within our church that we have seen God take her, take her and get her out of the stands and get her into the game. Check out Stacy's story.
2: My name is Stacy and I was raised to believe that whenever you made a mistake, that mistake stuck with you for life, that what was accepted, what wasn't accepted. Um, If you were divorced, if you had a child out of wedlock, you weren't welcome to help in church, to do anything in church. Um, I raised my kids in the same church for the first 10 years of their life in the same church that I was raised in and believing that that's what I was supposed to do. Um, I married someone. Right out of high school, and found out that he wasn't a Christian, and we had our marital problems. We ultimately sp- split up and um, got back together. And through also, high, you know, I taken my kids to church. Once they got older, they said, "Mom, we should go to church." And so we moved to Virginia. We start going to church, and I still didn't feel like I was totally accepted, totally welcome, totally what I needed to be in a Christian church. Um, my About three years ago, right when LifeHouse was opening, I saw a Facebook video and my son said, Mom, we should try out this church. And I went to the website and I looked at Pastor John's testimony and I thought, wow, he right out says he's not perfect. And I thought, okay, I'll try LifeHouse. So for about a year, I went off and on to LifeHouse and just seemed, I was never one to get involved. I went to church, I did my thing on Sunday and went home. So about a year into Lifehouse, one Friday night, they were having a night of worship. I was going through a really rough time. My daughter was going through a separation, um, which we all knew was probably the best thing that could happen in the situation, but it was still hard as a mother, as a grandmother, to watch your child suffer. So I went to this night of worship they had a call to come forward and I went forward. And I remember I went and prayed with the leader of the church and the leader of the church said to me, you No, know, small groups are starting next week and you should join a life group. And I really think you'd enjoyed women's group. And I was like, eh, no, I don't, that's not me. I don't do that and no, I'm good. So the Lord kept playing on my heart. You should join this group, you should join this group. So I joined the group. And I went and I really liked it, and I thought, wow, I'm not in a place of perfect people. Everybody's imperfect altogether. And fast forward about four months, um, I started getting more involved. I was taking my grandchildren to church. Um, my daughter ended up with an unplanned pregnancy, which oh, people in church can't find out about this. One night when I was at Life Group and totally broken, I just let it all out and i remember andrea coming over to me and sharing her story with me and i'm thinking i am in the right place and a couple months went by and um, the leaders in the church knew and other leaders didn't know and to me that meant that wow people aren't gossiping behind my back The spring of 2019 my daughter my granddaughter transformed from nursery to preschool And I asked the leader of preschool. How's it going? How's how's she adjusting and the leader of preschool said well She's adjusting good, but you know, would you like to help in preschool? We could use some help and I said "Uh, Yeah, I guess well before I guess came out of my mouth I got an invite to serve the next Sunday in preschool So that was again Okay, this is out of my realm. I love kids, but I've never taught kids. I'm not a teacher. How am I going to do this? And I did, and I love it. You know, at first it was like, oh, I have to serve. And now it's like, oh, when do I get to serve again? When do I get to see my babies? And January rolled around. I went through a really, really, really tough time um, family-wise. My husband had something tragic happen at work, and I questioned, well, God, why? Why are you doing this? And um, in the meantime, my husband had ran into Pastor John, and my husband is a non-believer, my husband had ran into Pastor John in Starbucks, and he said, "You know, I don't know what Lifehouse is doing to my wife, but it has so changed my, my life, my wife. And how do, you, how do you explain that to somebody who's not a Christian? And all Pastor John said to him was, "Well well, it's good to hear man." and not forcing what we believed on him just leaving that door open and th- January comes around and all this hard stuff happens and again a night of worship comes up and I'll never forget we sang I'm gonna see a victory and I thought alright God somehow you're gonna prove to me that this is this is happening for a reason then pandemics happened and I got furloughed and I'm like oh, what am I gonna do with my days and Life took me into, okay, I'll serve the community with the church, a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do if I wasn't furloughed. So that's my story, and God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for willing people who will get off the bench and get in the game.
1: Man, get in the game. I love Stacy's story. Why? because we see what God can and what God will do with someone that is that, that just says they're willing I'm not perfect I don't have it all together but I am willing I am available because here's the truth y'all like I said you've been called you have been gifted and you have been entrusted and the vision of this church is not for you to just attend church the purpose and vision is to see you be the church and get in the game and to take your passion and match it with the church's purpose and we go forward and we help all people experience life change through Christ.
0: Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at LifeHouseNN.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehousenn.com For more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.